I hope everyone had a good Christmas. Everyone had a good Christmas? Anyone's with regret after Christmas? That, was, that prayer was for you. Just saying, if you ate too much over Christmas, I'm proud of you. Well done. Well done. But the, this morning, we're going to be kicking off a brand new series. And uh, this series is called Step by Step. Everyone say it with me. Step by Step. There we go. So Step by Step is a, is a new series we're kicking off. And, and we want to ask the question, what if I just maybe don't look at trying to be perfect this year, but trying to see progress in my life? Progress, because perfection is a scary thing. But before I dive into that, I just want to say I have to quickly go down the list because you're going to hear it today from everyone. You know the classic jokes. You know, you're the first one, guys, New Year, New, Me. Come on, everyone say it. New Year, New they said 2022 was 2020 you, 2023 was 2020 me, so I don't know what 2024 is, hit the floor, or I don't know what it would be, hopefully it's a good one, you can figure it out, but or maybe you've made the joke already with someone this morning saying, oh, I can't wait to see you next year, huh? or you're going to be like, I'll only come back to church next year, okay, I have to make the jokes here, dads, you can use that one for free, um, that one's just free of charge, but uh, I mean, all jokes aside, when, when we think about it next year, you've done it already. This awkward time between Christmas and New Year, you've done it. By the way, Christmas and New Year, that time, you don't know what day it is. It's all dermakar. You're still on like a food hangover. So it's like everything's just weird. And uh, you've already been thinking about all the different things you're going to start this year, right? Anyone? If you got your list, thanks tomorrow. All right. Uh, you've got your list, right? Your New Year's resolutions. You guys know those ones. Remember that. The, the ones of like, yes, this year, I'm just going gonna, gonna to be working out, hey? I've already signed up at Virgin Active. Who signed up at Virgin Active in the past month? Who's going to sign up in this next month? No one, okay, because it's expensive. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I've got this plan. I've got the running plan. Or I'm going to eat right this year, you know. I'm gonna either, uh, tomorrow I'm starting banting. I'm going to become a vegan. We pray for you. You know, whatever it may be, I'm going to start juicing or whatever people do. I don't know. And, and there's, there's so many different things, like, yeah, I have to lose weight, or, or this year I'm going to spend more time with my family. I don't know how, but I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to tell my boss I'm leaving. <laughs> Remember, you've got to have money to support your family as well, I'm just saying. But oh, this year I'm going to start journaling, and you buy that brand new journal, the same one you had last year, that you only filled three pages in. You know? And then February comes, and you're like, oh yeah, sorry. And you use it for a shopping list book or something. You know, you're going to start that hobby, or, or this year, this year I'm going to be debt-free. This is the year. And then you look at what you spent over December, and you're like, and then you realize, oh, with the money I have now is supposed to last till the end of January. Sorry to put that like, pain in your hands. You guys know that? They say January is the longest three months of the year, right? But we've got all these things, and, then, and we, we start thinking, like, yes, for next year, like, what are we going to do? Uh, there's a bunch of stuff we want to do, and... Um, and you're trying to think all these things. By the way, your grass is this long at the moment. Mine is. I just came back from holiday. So it's like that tall. And, and you're thinking, I have to do all these things, but I still have to cut the grass. I still have to like, get kids ready for school. I still, and, and it's like there's all this pressure. And then I would ask you the question after explaining all of that, do you have hope for 2024? Yeah, yes. It's a nice Christian answer. <laughs> but when you look at the realities and everything, like, do I have hope? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I have hope. And I want to ask, how do, we, how do we know we have hope? How do we, how do we experience it? How do we have a solid understanding of this hope? How do we, how do we know it? Well, generally, I want, to, I want to kind of give a little different sermon today, but 
I want to ask you the question is, is when you do New Year's resolutions, when you think of a new year, when you think of these things, do you aim for perfection or do you aim for progress? Because there's two different things. They're two way different things. We sometimes think perfection. This year I'm going to lose 10 kilograms, right? Or this year I'm going to run, uh, I'm going to do the Ironman. Sure, don't. Just, ah, oh, I lost my breath just thinking about it. <laughs> Whew, all right? If you struggle to come up the stairs, please don't do the Ironman this year, okay? And uh, you're thinking about all these different things. This year, I'm going to do that. I'm going to achieve this, do this. And then by February, you failed miserably. <laughs> Why? Because we have this ideal picture, this perfection picture that we have to reach. But I want to tell you this morning that God has never asked you for perfection. God has only asked for progress. God has only invited in to have progress with Him. Why? Because perfection puts a lot of stress on us. And, and what it does, it actually gives you discouragement. You know, I'm going to lose 10 Ks this week or whatever. And then you go and then you've lost 300 grams. And you're like, okay, well, I'm done. I give up. You see, perfection is always, we don't reach it always and it's difficult. And perfection is just for those select few. You know those people. They're in this church. I've seen them. Like Matt. Have you seen Matt? He like cycles 100 kilo, uh, kilos every day. Like ridiculous, Matt. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm trying, but I, just, I need a bicycle first. I'm just saying. <laughs> Put a lot of barriers before me. But you, but you get people that get it right. It's just for that like select few to really be great at something. And then sometimes it's not even realistic. It's not even realistic. But, but progress asks a different question. Why? Because with progress, you can actually stay motivated. Because, hey, I lost the 100 grams. Yes, I did it. Or, or the second thing it leaves you is it's actually for everyone. Because do you know that God wants us to progress, not just in life and in things, but in faith with Him in our own journeys? If you ever look at another Christian, and just hear me out, if you ever look at another Christian and think, yes, I wish I could pray like that, I wish I could read my Bible like that, I wish I could interpret the Bible like that, I wish I could worship like that, you've missed the whole picture. God's not concerned with what you think about another Christian. <laughs> I think God's concerned with what you think about your relationship with Him and your journey with Him. Some of you are going to take 10 years to grow in a space that someone takes two years to grow, but that doesn't make, that's not a difference. There's no difference. God has a journey with every single person. And, and progress, it's doable. Because I think Christians have this disease. Can I tell you the disease? I call it SP, SSP. SSP, it's clinically proven. No, I'm joking, probably not. SSP is spiritual split personality. Have you ever experienced this? SSP. It's that thing of like you read the Bible, you experience God and everything. It's like live this holy life, be this holy person, and it's amazing. And then you get home and you're angry and you kick the dog. Or do this and then a taxi drives in front of you and then like, you drive to Durban. That's explaining more than enough. <laughs> you know, it's like all these different things of like my spirit says this thing and my relationship with God says this thing. But when I live my life, it's like, just, it's difficult. It's like we have this split personality. And I think God wants to come and show us what, what happens when that thing becomes one. Because here's the thing, to be perfect, well, that's done in the spirit. But living holy is something we can live out every single day. And I, that reminds me, actually, I was reading my Bible over the holiday. Can you believe it? And uh, I read this part. You know, you know that Jesus had a brother, right? James, right? And I was just thinking, like, if I think about progress and perfection, that's like the picture. Imagine Jesus was your older brother. And your mom was Mary. You wouldn't hear the end of it, right? Why can't you just be like your older brother? You know, last time we were at this wedding, there was no wine. Come, James. <laughs> and, 
And, and that's how we sometimes feel, I think, is that we look at Jesus, we're like, we need to be like that. But realistically, it's difficult. It is in our own strength. But there's a difference when Jesus says, I come to live within you. My glory is in you. I am with you. Because now it doesn't become difficult. Now it becomes a surrender. It becomes something way different. I could just imagine Mary's like, hey, groceries are tight. Here's you know, some fish and loaves. James, come on. Help me out. Your brother did it. Come on. Sir, I have an older brother. I feel his pain. But jokes aside, that, that, that's the picture. Is, is Jesus actually comes and he, and he shows this to us. He says, man, if you want to live like I've lived, allow me to live through you. I will show you how to live. I will be in you. Christ in me, the hope of glory. And uh, uh, Hebrews 10, uh, 14 actually starts showing this picture. How do I start living this life? How do I actually start living in 2024 in a way that's not looking just for perfection, but it's actually living in holiness, in fullness? Well, it's this. How do we start the progress? It says this, for by one, man, for by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So let's just use some, some tense here, right? Let's just quickly check this out. He says, for by one sacrifice, one sacrifice, buy it. It has already happened. It's something that happened. He made perfect forever. You're not being made perfect right now. Just say that. Look at the person next to you and say, you are perfect. Okay, now just say it with a little bit of conviction. Just like, <laughs> little. You're like, you are perfect. Psh. If we are in our relationship with God, if you've given your life to Christ and stuff, he says, man, you are perfect in my sight. Because when I see you, I see my son. And then he goes on to say that, but those who are being made holy. Future tense. We're busy. It's happening. It's happening now. It will happen. We are being made holy. Why? Why is that a thing? Well, here's the thing is that we have been made a new creature, but we still have an old body. We, we have been made perfect, but we're still being made whole. We are standing blameless before God, but we still make mistakes. We now have a new identity, but unfortunately, we still have old habits. And God says, man, do you know what I want you to live? Do you know what's the picture for, for maybe taking the step further? Maybe the goal isn't, and I'll get to it now, but maybe the goal isn't just to try and be better next year and read your Bible more. Maybe the goal is to become who I've already made you to be to lean into me, to press into me, to find a relationship with me because I'll show you how to live your life. Why? Because cultural norms around us, we've seen it, right? It always has, says the same thing. It always says you need to become something. You need to try and strive to have the perfect life, the pursuit of the perfect life. You've got to you know, find the thing. You've got to have the car. You've got to have the, the shoes, the, the you know, wife and the 2.5 children, um, whatever it is, you know, the nice house in Langenhofen Park. Or somewhere else. I don't know where. You've got to have that life. Because when you have that life, then you've made it. And, and the problem with that is the culture actually has this saying. It says, fake it till you make it. Right? You've heard this before. Fake it till you make it. What it's actually saying is that when you hear that term, it sounds really nice. But it's not nice at all. Because it's actually saying, you are fake. The things inside of you are not good enough to be where you want to be. So you need to fake it till you get there because when you get there, then you'll be good enough. But we've seen that time and time again, year and year out, it's never good enough. But what does Jesus say? Jesus says, no, no, don't fake it till you make it. He says, become who I've already made you to be. I call you my son, my daughter. 
You are my child. You are perfect. You're still being made holy, but you are perfect today. You are perfect. In my sight, I have put myself in you. You are enough. Yeah, but Lord, I still need to do these things. I still need to be enough. I still need, no, 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 no. You are enough. Therefore, be. Therefore, love. Therefore, be the person that I've made you to be. And that's, that's why today, I've seen a lot of, I've read some stuff over the holiday, but I've seen a lot, you know, self-help books? Anyone ever read a self-help book? Put up your hand. Seven habits of something. Three ways to, huh? Rich dad. Not that rich dad. We've seen them all, right? We've seen all of them. And why, my question is, why are self-help books flying literally off the shelf? They're flying off the shelf. They're being sold millions and millions. It's because I believe that people are searching for something to make them whole. People want to find the thing that fills them. And I want to tell you this, and I want to tell you this from the bottom of my heart. Hear me out. A hobby, a routine, a better eating plan, that'll never fill your life. Go for it. You'll live healthier. You'll live longer. It'll be amazing. I'm trying to get there. But the one thing that will never do it, it will never fulfill your life. Why? Because the moment for me, when I met Jesus, it fulfilled my life forever. Do I do everything perfect? Not at all. But do I know the one that fills me? Yes. Do I seek the one that fills me? 100%. And that filling, that fullness, we sometimes forget that. Because we, we experience Jesus, and I'm looking at the Christians that have been on the walk for a long time. We look at Jesus, and we're like, yes, we love Jesus. It's amazing. But, and I just have to fix these, these, these few things. I have to sort this thing out, and then, you know, it, it'll be cool. And, and Jesus is actually saying to you, hey, let me fix it. <laughs> let me give you the routine that I think is best for you. Let me help you with your children. Let me give you the wisdom with your family. Not just through the difficult times, but through the goals you have this year. What about you saturate those things with me? Imagine that for a moment. Do you feel the pressure start becoming lighter? Do you feel it being more in God's hands? And that's the beautiful thing. You see, this, this sermon, I don't want to give you the seven habits or the self-help book. What, what I want to say this morning is this, and this is not even my first point. I'm so sorry. This was a long December. I, I haven't preached in a while. So I have to get all of them in today. But in 2024, what if... The goals weren't the focus. But what if Jesus was the focus? What if the person of Jesus was the focus? Because I think that's spiritual maturity. Discovering that everything I need, everything, to achieve things, to, to make life happen, to even just keep the household going, just maybe even to make my budget work in January. Everything lies within Christ. All the answers, everything lies within Him. And knowing that I'm already in Him, well, that my approach for next year looks way different then. Because I know the one that has the answers, the one that has everything I need is with me and is in me. And therefore, I can live. You see, what if for this year, we don't kick off the year, and we do that every year. And this is so weird for me. We go on like a, just people, right, in general. This is, I love observation. It's, it's great. You see people going on December holiday, 15th of December, some people start going on holiday. Pray for them. I don't know how they get it right. But some of us on the 22nd, then we do Christmas with family that we don't really like. Amen? 
Someone? Uh, just me? Okay. Uh, no jokes. I liked that Leafy. It was fun. Um, and, then, uh, <laughs> and, and then we like eat together. We're in a food coma for two days. And then it's like weird. We give presents. And then it's New Year's and everything. And then, then first of January comes. And then I'm like, okay, now I'm ready to change my life forever. I have now reached the pinnacle point of I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to become a machine. Today I'm going to jog 10 kilometers and just eat salad and read my Bible three times. And then, you know, play with my kids for four hours. And then what? check my emails for 10 minutes because it's not that much, obviously. And we think we're going to become these machines like overnight. And it's actually ridiculous because what we're doing, we're still giving from an empty cup. What if you started this year not trying to give from an empty cup? But what if this year you saturated everything in your life with the one that has the cup that overflows? Question. What if you don't? Just start trying to make things work for this next year. But what if you pause and go, God, before I try and make any New Year's resolution work, I want to focus on you. I want, you to, I want to invite you into my workout space <laughs> or the lack thereof. <laughs> Show me, help me, guide me. Because I think that's progress. That is, that is asking, what if we fill up before we give out? What if we drop perfection and we pick up progress? Easy way to illustrate this or easy way to see this. Don't you with me just in your own spiritual journey, right, with God? Maybe you've known God for six months. Maybe you've known Him for a year, for five years, for 10 years, for 20, 30, 40, 50. Whatever it may be, but quickly go down the line. Just go back a year from now. Just in your own story, own faith journey. Has your relationship with God changed, grown since then? Some of you are like, I saw someone go, yo, buyer. Some people are like, oh, yeah. okay, five years back. It's different. Ten years back. Some of you are like, I wasn't even, like, you know, I couldn't speak then, but yeah, sort of. Twenty years back. Thirty years back. Question is, if we, if we as Christians start looking at our walk with Jesus or, or the next year or those things, and we look at it and we look at other people and say, yes, I wish I grew quicker. Or, or, you know, you look back at your past and say, yes, I wish I read my Bible more this year. I wish I spent more time with God or those things. Do you know what that is? Regret. And regret only leaves you with three things. It leaves you with shame, unforgiveness, and bitterness. And God says, hey, I'm not here to try and, I'm here to go in a process with you. You mustn't try and be perfect now. I've made you perfect already. I'm inviting you into a journey to become more whole, to become more full. So if you learn a little bit about peace this year and you don't grasp all of it, that's cool. But don't stop. Don't think you've learned a little bit about peace and then go, ah, I understand peace. You know grace? Fully understand it, sort it. No, we only know in part. The Bible teaches us, now we will only know in part, but one day it will be fully revealed to us. But the beautiful thing is the little bit that God gives you every day, the little bit God gives you every week through people, through revelation, through the word, through prayer, through all these different things, God is busy with you. He's busy with something. And that's the freedom we can live in, the freedom that He allows us. So, so, so what is the key to this? What is the key of growing? How do we, how do we unlock that picture? How do we start that? Colossians 1 just explains it so well. And he says, it says this, you know, Paul writing, and he says, the mystery that has kept, been kept hidden for ages and generations. Do you know that Christianity, this understanding of Jesus, it's a mystery. Because I still think 
there's so much more depth to what we want. We know the story. We know, we know, we know the, uh, the gospel and the salvation and the picture that God has for us, the, the solid thing we understand. But there's so much more depth that God has for us, not just in being saved, but living holy and living full. And he says, the mystery that has been kept for hidden for ages and generations is now being disclosed to the Lord's people. God's revealing it to us every day. It's a process. And he says, to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery. What is the riches, this mystery that he wants to say? What is the riches of this ministry? What is like the, the weight, the, the money behind it, the, the picture of it? And what's, what's like the resource of it, the, the, the depth of it? And he says, which is this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not the great deeds you've done. Not the amount of growth you had over the past two years. No. He says the only thing that will be weighed and will be enough is Christ in you. That will be the hope of glory. And he says, and we proclaim and we astonish, um, admonish and, uh, the teaching and everyone in all wisdom. He's saying we want to teach people this. We want to show them this wisdom. Why? So that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. How do you become fully mature in Christ? When you realize more and more that Christ in you is the hope of glory. When he is the understanding. And, and this is why we strenuously contend that with Christ's energy that fully works within me. What is he saying? He's saying it's his energy that works within me. It's, it's his power that works within me. This ministry or mystery that Paul explains is saying, man, when you understand that Christ is in you, there is a fullness. Why? Because when Christ is in you, you can start the process of glory. You can start the process of God working in you. You can start the process of knowledge, the knowledge of God, knowing Him more, experiencing Him more, having a relationship with Him more. Maybe for some people at the moment, you need to start picking up your Bible and actually read it. Not because you said, I'm going to read my Bible every day and it's my goal for next year, but maybe because you're really hungry for Jesus. Maybe for some of you, and I'm saying there's a lot of, a little pinch of salt, is to put down your Bible. And maybe just not speaking to him. Maybe you've been reading too much and not engaging. Maybe for some of us it's to do both at the same time. Maybe for some of us it's just putting on a worship song and actually focusing on him. Maybe it's for some of us it's drowning out the noise of your life and being quiet with him and allowing him to speak for a change. See, the journey we're all on is so different. But God invites you and says, what's the next step? What is the process? How do, we, how, do we, how do we grow in this space? God doesn't just show us himself, but he renews us. He makes us whole to, to impact the world. And, and I love the word that it used there, the hope of glory. And, and this word hope, I mean, this is actually our word for this next year as a church, right? If you didn't know that, surprise, surprise. I hope you know it now. It's my little joke. But what is hope? Hope isn't going... I hope, you know, the Springboks win the World Cup. They already did. Hallelujah. Glory. Well, I hope, you know, Liverpool can do something with you. <laughs> Just like, you know, it's, it's, it's not that. It's, hope is not like a wish upon a star, you know, cross your fingers, break a chicken bone thingy, whatever it is. Wishbone. <laughs> it's, not, it's not that. It's, it's not, that's not hope. The hope the Bible speaks of speaks actually of a firm knowledge, a firm understanding a firm knowing that hope is a fullness of God's promises about you. It is this full knowing of God's promises about me. It's knowing, why do I know that God will be with me this year? It's because I've seen him with me for the past 13 years. As a matter of fact, for the past 30 years, even when I didn't choose him, he chose me. I've seen him, I know him, and I know he will be with me. Will he do what I want, will he do what I want to do? Probably not, because <laughs> he knows better. 
But can I lean into him? Can I press into him? Can I understand that, that when I press into him and I trust him, he has good things, 100%. See, this is that knowledge, that firm foundation. And, and the way just to illustrate it, I, I love this picture, is why do you know that the sun will rise tomorrow morning? Have you, have you just, just something that simple? Like we do it. You set your alarm for five o'clock because you want to be up when the sun rises, right? How do you know the sun rises? Just, just think about that concept for a moment. Or, or like the sun sets tonight, you know, we have to bribe before the sun sets or when the sun sets, we'll light the... How do you know? It's because it's been there time and time again, 365 days of the year, and it'll be there for another 365 days of the year because it's a firm knowledge. We know it will happen. My question is, your faith, your hope for next year, is it the same as trusting the sun to rise? That it's almost something we don't have to think about. It just happens. Because that's that same hope that Jesus explains and shows. How can we have this hope? Well, the simple. What Jesus did on the cross and what he did through the resurrection, that's our firm hope. Everything boils down into Christianity to that act of Jesus. Because we would not be here today if it wasn't for that. When you look at your life, when you look at everything, man, you've got to ask yourself, do I have the firm knowledge that Jesus is enough? Not Jesus plus my deeds or Jesus plus my family or Jesus plus where I grew up or Jesus, no, no, no. Not even Jesus plus my church. Jesus is enough. And when he's enough, I can live. What does that mean? That, that's that power that works within you. He says, um, the, the, this, Jesus' supernatural power then works within you because if I realize he's enough and I have him in me, how do I live a life of glory? With his power? How do I overcome sin with his power? How do I grow in my faith journey with his power? How do I start making an impact in the world around me with his power? How do I grow in my love for people in his power? How do I go through difficult times? Guess what? His power. It is through Jesus that that thing is made whole in us. And he invites us to one thing. He says, Hey guys, if you want to journey with me, if you want to have this process, it's this simple. Remain in me. Be with me. I will show you. Yeah, but Lord, I, I need to figure this thing out. You know, I have to do the Bible in one year. I have to read it this year, you know. And then, you know, January, I have to catch up again. And then, I have to, and I, Lord, I have to forget this. I'm going to do this course at church because I'm, that's the next step for me. And, and this, uh, God's like, oh, pause. Maybe first just remain in me. I'll show you what. I'll guide you. I'll show you who to speak to at church, start joining a community group. I have to do all these things as Christians, and then we're missing it. John 15, I love this scripture. I absolutely love this because this helped me in my personal journey with Jesus. Jesus speaking, and he says, Remain in me, and I will also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Oh, and then I love this. He says, I am the vine, the vine of life. And he says, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What does this mean? Simple. When I am connected to Jesus, the fruit I bear is nothing that I work for. It is God's power that works through me. Hello? I love this illustration. Have you ever walked past a grapevine and hear it screaming to produce fruit? Anyone? Everyone ever been to like a wine farm? Do you hear the veins like, ah, bloop? It doesn't, it doesn't, it's the most natural thing for it to produce fruit. 
It's the most natural thing. And the question is, why do we sometimes, Christianity, I've got got to do this, I'm going to be, and God's looking at him going, hey, just, just open up yourself more to me and you'll see the fruit. It'll come, maybe it'll skip a season, you don't know. But it'll come and it'll be the best fruit because it won't be fruit that you try to produce in yourself. It'll be fruit that I've produced in you. And, and I love using that picture, but you know that like little connection part that the, the branch opens up to the vine, and that it allows the branch to grow thicker? The more you open up to Jesus, the more you open up to the vine, you, you open up that connection, you, you focus on that, you focus on your life with Jesus and, and invite him to everything in your life. You invite him into your family, you invite him into your workspace, into your personal life. You invite him into, into uh, your finances, everything. You see how that connection grows. And you, and you don't even, I think you, you sort of don't even worry about the fruit anymore. The fruit's redundant almost. It's for other people to enjoy around you. Them to enjoy your peace and your love and your kindness and, and all those things. It's, it's actually that part, that, that connection with Jesus that becomes the focus. Yes, and it becomes so lacquer. It becomes so full, full of life. Because I don't think God made us to be production machines. God made us for relationship. And because of relationship, man, there's so much life. So much life in us. So remember the goals for 2024? The goals you have? This year I'm going to get fit. Okay? This year I want to, no more debt. You know, I'm going to have all the money. (laughs) Okay, let me know. Just now you do that. You know, this, this year, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be this person. What if this year we just maybe for a moment pause and, and we choose Jesus, we, we aim for that, we grow into that, and we, we allow God to have progress in our lives. You see, for this year, I read a really good book. I would, I would definitely suggest it. Suggest it. Um, it is Get Your Life Back by John Elridge. Really good book. And i um, still busy reading it. But he explains this thing. And if you want to ask me, Brent, what's your goal for 2024? Well, here's me being honest and open to everyone. Keep me accountable. Okay? It's not to jog a 10K. Please, don't ask me that. I will leave you at 100 meters, 100%. Yeah, I'll do a, I'll do a burpee. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but what, what is the goal? What is the goal for Brent? Well, very simple. Is John Elridge explains this thing in his book. And, and, and that's, that's what my heart is for you this morning is this. He calls it benevolent detachment. Fancy word. Or what is the benevolent detachment? He says, benevolent detachment is when you release everything and everyone to God. Whew. Just, oh, did you feel that? Come on. Just imagine the next year. Everything and everyone is God's. Or what does this mean? Does this mean you run away from, uh, you're trying to be too uh, clinic, uh, cynical with everything, or you, you're trying to check out saying, you know, I don't want to worry about things. I don't care. I'm just moving away. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. It's saying, God, you've given these things to me, but I know you have the ability to do it way better than I can. I'm going to be here. I'm still in the, the horse carriage with you, but I'm giving you the reins. Take it. What do you want to do with it? Use me in the right way. This pressure of life, of family, of finances, of work, of everything that is not mine to carry. Matthew 11, 28 to 30 in the message, Moses says it. He says, live with me, work with me, and walk with me. I'll show you how to take a real rest. If you live with me, I will show you how to live life. You will have life 
in abundance. And my question is, why doesn't it look like that? Very simply, because we don't understand benevolent detachment. Saying, God, everything and everyone is yours. Done. And, and this is a process, I think, in my own life, because uh, Ellery's going to laugh when I say this, but I take way too much responsibility for stuff. Like if puppy's on the floor, I'm picking it up, you know. And, and I realize sometimes there's some things that I don't have to take responsibility for. Because God's taking the responsibility for it. I can help pick up the pup. <laughs> I can help be the answer. And, and that's a beautiful thing. But man, for some of us, we're carrying weight that God has never asked you to carry. Maybe it's time to give him those things. Maybe, and a difficult one, let's start at the most difficult one. Maybe it's your kids. Your kids. You're so worried about your kids and, and, and you know, are oh, they going to be fine? All oh, this, this, and then. What if, just for the next year, you, you give your kids to God? Say, God, I love my kids, but I can't be their savior. I need to be their dad. I need to be their mom. I need to just love them. You've got them. Here you go. It's God, my business. I, I can't make it work, but you can. Here you go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work hard. I'm going to do my thing. But man, here you go. That weight is not yours to carry. Why? Because God has so much more. He has a firm knowledge, a hope that we don't have. That's so much better. He has way more wisdom, way more ability, way more resources, way more grace, and way more understanding than we have. And when we can give that over to him, that's cool. What's a practical way to do this? Well, something that I've started today, pretty much. My wife's like, when did you start this? I listened to the book like yesterday. But anyway. <laughs> It's a very simple thing. He calls it a one minute of detachment. And, and it's just moment. It's easy. Take two, two minutes in your day, one minute in the morning, one minute in the night, whatever works for you. And whatever you're busy with that day, just pause for a minute and just give it to God. God, this conversation with this guy was rough. Donkey. I'm done with it. God, I'm stressed about this financial thing. Okay. And I'm not stressed. It's yours. And is it, is it, it's like a very easy thing to say, ne? Christian, just give it to God. But the more you do it, the more you start seeing God step into it. Because what this means, what, why is the goal of this? Well, very simply, and that's the heart for this morning is, what if we kick off the year not trying to accumulate more things, trying to be more, trying to be perfect. But what if we kick off the year trying to empty out? Empty out some of the things that we stress about. Empty out trying to be this perfect person so that God can come and fill in. And that leaves an open heart for God to come and do so much more than what we can imagine, that we can think for the next year. I'm going to be ending off, and I want to read you this, this scripture in Deuteronomy. And uh, this scripture is such a, a cool scripture for me. Um, me and Roxanne actually spoke about it just before the end of the year as well. But it's so good. He says, for the Lord himself goes before you, and he will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So don't be afraid, and don't be discouraged. You see, when you think of this next season in your life, maybe it's the year, maybe it's the next month, maybe you're waiting for something big to happen this year, all these different things, I want to ask you this question. Do you know that the God of the universe is with you? Because that will always be the greatest thing about us. Not our achievements, not the things we've done or the things we can do. Our greatest achievement will be the fact that the, that the person of Jesus resides within us. And that'll give us all the strength we'll ever need. All the power we'll ever need. All the understanding we'll ever need. All the wisdom we ever need. All he asks is, 
Grow into that. Grow into me. Press into me. And I will give you the fruit. I will give you the wisdom. I will give you life in abundance. That's why you can have boldness for 2024. You know, I asked the question earlier, do you have hope for 2024? I want to ask the deeper question. Do you have hope in Christ for 2024? That whatever you're busy with, your work, your family, everything, that you create space, you step back, say, God, everyone and everything is yours. And you create space for God to step into those places. I am 100% convinced. You cannot unconvince me. I don't know what the word is. <laughs> you cannot tell me otherwise. I, I, I promise you this. I know this. When you see Jesus walk into a place, he fills it with life. I, I am utterly convinced of this. I've seen it in my life everywhere. I've seen it when I was lost as a young man, trying to find life, trying to find things in life that will fulfill me, trying to find the self-help book or the thing to fulfill me until I met the person of Jesus and it changed me forever. I saw it when I was trying to find a family or trying to find things to grow in life, trying to do it my way. And the moment I give it over to Christ, He gives me a family. I've seen it in, in church, trying to make church work. You know, we've got to work hard, we've got to do these things. And the moment that I say, God, this church is yours, it bursts out of the seams. Why? Because when you step back and you allow God in, He steps in and He changes everything. So maybe it is your health this morning, your health for next year. You're worried or you, you want to fix it. Stop trying to fix it. Step back, give that thing to God. Say, God, you do your thing. Maybe it is your family. You're worried. Step back. Everything and everyone, give him to God and allow him to step in. Because when he steps in, man, I am literally, cannot otherwise convince me. I am utterly convinced he will make it happen and way more than you could imagine. That's the truth today. So I want you guys to all stand with me. Athalia shared this while we were praying, and this man, it's so good. She was sharing the, the moment where, where Moses is on the mountain, and the Israelites are fighting, and, and they're keeping his hands up. And the moment that his hands up, they're winning. They're winning the war, but the moment he drops, they drop their hands, or he drops his hands, they start losing. And eventually, there's people next to him on either side holding his hands in the air so to continue winning the fight. And I want to say this, as much as Jesus steps into your life, so much are there people around you that want to help you with that process. We can look at it one another and say, man, don't take that responsibility for your work. Don't, that's not yours to carry. Give it to God. Man, your family, I know you're trying to make it work. Stop. Step back. Allow God in. Because I can promise you that is the answer. And so this morning, we're going to allow God to step in. But we're also going to trust and lean on one another. Hold each other's hands high. So I want you to find a person next to you, friend, even if it's a family member, great. I want no person to be alone in this moment. But I want you to find someone and I want you to pray with them and pray for them. Thanks, tomorrow. My wife was alone here in front. I want you to turn to them and pray for them. And you pray these two things, that they will give everyone and everything to God and that they would be set free of a, of a weight that they were never supposed to carry. 
See, it's always funny. I love reading that scripture. He says, live with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly, Matthew 11. And every time I read that and I look at my life with like weight I need to carry, I'm like, huh? SSP, spiritual split personality. I'm like, it's not, it's not making sense. And God's like, it's because you still think that's your problem. It's not, it's mine. Give me it. I want it. I want to be a part of that thing because I have the answer. The one you've been waiting for. So I want you to turn to one another. We're going to take a moment. And then after that, we're going to end it off. Pray for one another.
Some people are still praying. You give a few seconds for that. Let's pray together. Jesus, as your, as your family, as your children, as the ones you love dearly, this morning we want to say for 2024, before we get to the goals, before we get to achieving things, before we're trying to make the best year, new year, new me, God, that we would just look at our lives and say, everything and everyone we give to you. We want to create space in our lives again, capacity, margin, to not worry about the things that you've blessed us with, but to rather honor you with them. So that as we give everything and everyone to you, Father God, there's margin again to dream. There's margin again to love, to live fully, to enjoy your beauty. There's margin again to do greater things than we've ever experienced. So Lord, for this year, Please, will you step in? Will you step into everything and everyone in our lives and do what you do best? Come and make them whole. Come and make us whole. Set us free from any fear and anxiety or, or stress. And set us free to being deeper and deeper connected to the vine, to the one that brings life. Because Lord, for 2024, we want more life. We want more life in you. We're grateful for that, Jesus, and we love you. Amen. Amen.